0: Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Kevin talking about steps 8 and 9. Good morning, everybody. I'm Kevin and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Kevin. I'd like to thank the two previous speakers. Thanks very much. It's been a nervous wait for me. <laughs> um, you know, um, I'm not going to go into my drinking story, but you know, I am an alcoholic and I'm qualified to be here for sure. When I came into Alcoholics Anonymous almost 29 years ago, uh, the emphasis wasn't so much on the steps back then. It was mainly on, you know, keep coming to meetings and it'll get better. And that's what I did. I just kept coming to meetings. I, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous because I felt that my life had um, gone completely astray. I didn't, I didn't know who I was or what I was. I... Um, had uh, just come in as as a result of a marriage breakdown. And um, in that marriage, the girl that I'd met, for the first time in my life, I felt that I was an okay type of person. You know, I met this girl that that I was okay to be myself with. And um, for the first time, you know, I could slow down. and, And because up to this, I had run all the time. I had run from myself and from my circumstances. I never felt good enough. I didn't want people to get to know me. So when I met this girl after, you know, all these years, for the first time in my life, I felt comfortable with somebody else. And um, so, you know, we, we had a relationship, and we eventually got married and moved to Sydney and bought a house. We both had uh, good prospects for the future, you know. We had a car, a nice house, we had a dog. You know, everything was looking really good. And I remember one day looking around and thinking, you know, if my life doesn't get any better, that's fine. You know, everything was really good. But within 18 months of that, it was all gone. I was living in a flat in Melbourne by myself, getting drunk every day, hating myself and, and, and knowing that, you know, I didn't deserve what I had anyway. Uh, my ex-wife, she, w- she was a really good girl, you know. She loved me and, and she, you know, she didn't do anything wrong. But I was an alcoholic who hated himself and was out to destroy everything good in my life, and that 's what I did. so I drove her away from me. She was very sensible, you know she was younger than me, and uh, she somewhere along the line I guess realized that she wasn't going to spend the rest of her life with a drunk and um, purely by accident, I think she met somebody else and uh, formed a relationship and And um, things started to go astray with us, and next thing she realized, she was pregnant. And, uh, of course, that was the end of our marriage. And it was a result of that that I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't think I was a drunk, I didn't think I was an alcoholic, but I thought I had a problem, and if I stopped drinking for a while, I could get my act together. And that's what I did. And I just kept coming to meetings, and I loved not drinking. I didn't do anything about the steps at all. I just kept coming to AA it was after about three years. I was still absolutely miserable. I hated myself and my life. If anybody mentioned my ex-wife, it was like a, a knife going through my heart. You know, I couldn't look at anybody else. I, um, I was hurting. And it was suggested, you know, that uh, I, got in, I had a very serious sporting accident. And as a result of that, uh, I got a sponsor and I joined a, a group. The sponsor suggested that I join Alcoholics Anonymous and I just attend it, you know, become a member and get involved, and I did that. And my life started to get a little bit better. I started to do the steps, it was suggested. I hated the idea of doing my fourth and fifth, especially my fifth. I eventually did, and that was good. I carried on to do the rest of the steps. But I really and truly think it was when I actually did the, uh, the eighth and ninth step, or the ninth step in particular, that my life started to get a bit better. I, um, it was about six years, you know, still, I, um, I was sober, I had never drank, but um, my life hadn't got an awful lot better. That pain was still there, you know, I was desperately lonely, I wanted to meet somebody else, you know, I wanted to get into another relationship, but I couldn't. I hadn't been in a relationship all this time because, you know, I didn't want to get hurt again. I didn't think anybody would, would want to be in a relationship with me anyway. So that's how it went. Um, It was suggested, you know, from doing my fourth and fifth, you know, I had the list of amends that I had to make, so they were there. The main amend I had to make was to my ex-wife, and I couldn't because she was the one that hurt me, you know. She was the one that left me. She was the one that (laughs) met somebody else and got pregnant, you know, and all of these sort of things. So she was the cause of all my unhappiness. But I was told if I was going to get any relief at all, I had to do something about this, you know, that I had to try and make amends to her, and and feel, and work out my position in it, so by doing the steps, I realised that this was what I had to do, you know, I realised at this stage that I had something to do with how I was in, that it wasn't just all her fault, and it was suggested that uh, I write her a letter, I probably wouldn't see her, she lived in Sydney, I was in Melbourne, so, you know, with Greta Teat, I sat down to write this amends letter, and I started, and the spelling was wrong and the handwriting was wrong, so I crunched it up and did it again. I did that three or four times, and i thought stuff. i just write the bloody thing. So I just let the pen go wild, and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote, in about ten pages letter I had written my letter. And it was suggested to me that, you know, <coughs> that after I'd finished writing the letter, that i just leave it in a drawer, and just leave it there for about a week, and then come back and, and have a read of it, and um, if I was happy with it, to send it off. And if I wasn't, well, maybe to start again. After a week, I did that, and I came and I read the letter again. And, uh, and as I read it, like, you know, it was crazy, absolutely crazy. You know, I was blaming her for everything. And, I, and, it, and if you didn't do this, and, uh, you know, I, it was amazing. The, uh, by reading that, it just came to me what this step was all about. You know, it wasn't what I was doing. So I just put that aside, and I wrote another letter, and I just wrote one letter, spelling, handwriting, didn't matter. And in this letter, I just said that when we split up, that she said if I was ever to get my act together again, I had to have a look at my drinking, You know that my drinking was a problem, and I've realised that. I said I've been coming to alcoholics now for so many years, and I haven't had a drink, and and I accepted my responsibility that I shouldn't have put her through what I did, and... um, And it wasn't a big, long, rambling letter, but I sent sent it off. I was happy with it. And I felt good, you know. I just felt good. And about three weeks later, there was a knock on my door, and she was at the door with her young baby, our young child. And um, when when I opened the door, I had been studying in a room, the only room in the house with the light on. And um, she was probably expecting to see me drunk or whatever. But um, I opened the door, and she came in, and we talked for about three hours. You know, it was absolutely amazing. She couldn't believe the difference in me from the guy that she'd left those years ago. You know, that I was sober and I was getting my act together. I was studying. And, um, and it was just lovely, you know. It was just lovely. And when she left, we hugged and, um, and said cheerio. And, you know, that was my biggest hurdle to my recovery taken care of. It was just amazing. It, that was the thing that was holding me back all those years was that hurt. And that was gone now. And then I re- went into a new phase of, of, my, of my recovery, you know, where I had to start to look at myself then as the person that I was, the person who, you know, wanted to meet somebody else and, and to pray and, and to put some action into it. And, and then I was allowed and was able to go ahead and do that. You know, it was a wonderful thing. I'm so fortunate that, that you know, that I did that because sometime later I was to meet Chris. And... Um, And, um, you know, she was in the fellowship, and uh, relatively not very long in the fellowship, and I wasn't one known for 13-stepping, but, you know, I I talked to my sponsor, and at that time, you know, I was relatively known as relatively safe, you know. I wasn't a predator. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I know it's really not a great thing to admit to being safe in the fellowship, But (laughs) you know, for a bloke. But, um, but for me, it was right. You know, for me, it was right to have waited those times because, you know, I didn't want second best. You know, I was told that if I was going to get into a relationship again, I had to be better. You know, I had to be well within myself. And I think by, you know, by waiting and uh, until the time was right and actually doing the most important amend in my life, that then I could start to go. And, and so it was. And, you know, now, you know, Chris and I have been married almost 20 years. You know, um, and it's wonderful. You know, I never thought that that pain would go away. I never thought that the hurt would leave me. You know, I always felt no good. But it was because of actually sitting down and doing something about it and, and praying about it and, 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 you know, being ready and been willing. And then when I did the action and left it out there, it all came good. Just quite amazing. That was my most um, hardest uh, amends to make. The other two amends... Like, you know, I was a, a drunk, but I did most of my drinking and harm to myself, not to a lot of other people. You know, I never stayed around long enough to hurt too many people. So when I did my amends list, there wasn't that many people on it. My old boss in Sydney was on it. I stole a plum bob. I don't know if anybody knows what a plum bob is. <laughs> but if you want to... If you're b- bricky and you want a straight line, you're, it's just a weight on the end of a string. And I stole this from him one time. Absolutely, I never used it. I've still got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was terrified. As, you know, I was so silly. And I, oh and I remember going to him, you know, years later, and before I met my big man, but going to him and saying, you know, and he just laughed at me. But the amazing thing was, like, to me, it meant a big thing, you know, because it was something that was constantly shameful in my actions that I had done. That was another one. It was just another hurdle that I had to get out, out of the way. And then the other, I guess, would be to to my parents, you know, um, and my family. Um, I was only a few weeks sober when my father died. And um, then some years later, my mother was an alcoholic and, and she got sober before my father died. And when I went home from my father's to see him die in his funeral, I was three weeks, I was actually seven weeks sober at this stage. And my mother had been sober over a year, I guess, or maybe two. She never came to A. She got sober by herself. And she turned from this weird woman into a beautiful person. And um, I remember talking to her, you know, about... She was so proud of me that I'd stopped drinking. I was only off drinking for seven weeks at this stage. But she was so proud. And I remember saying to her, you know, about... How Do you think you'll ever drink again? And she looked at me and she had that look in her face that I knew that she would never drink again. You know, it was just inspiring and uh, it was lovely. And she was so pleased and proud of me. But she soon after that got Alzheimer's and um, had a pretty horrible time until she too passed away. But always it was my parents were really hard workers and we grew up in pubs and they were really hard workers. And as a kid, I used to steal money from the till. And I used to steal drink, and I used to steal other stuff. And so did my brothers and sisters, you know. But I always felt guilty about this, and I couldn't make amends to my parents because they were gone. But um, to my brothers and sisters, you know, each of them I went and and talked to them about this, about, you know, trying to make amends. And they just laughed at me, and they said, but we did the same. (laughs) You know, they all did the same, but... To me, it wasn't laughing matter. To me, it was. I often and still feel the guilt that you know my parents really probably could have had a much better life had we not, have stolen so much of them. But that's just the way it is. But by making amends to my brothers and sisters and just telling them, you know, that my part in it, it just freed me somewhat. I still feel a bit of guilt about that, but I can't do anything. My life today, you know, it's very good as a result of doing the steps. I, um, you know, I. As I said, I'm married and um, I'm, I, I love being sober. You know, I, I've got a really good life today. I'm uh, looking forward to retirement. And um, this time last year we were overseas and we went back to Ireland and met all my family. And when I was a kid growing up, I left home because I felt I was no good. and I felt useless. I felt um, I didn't even deserve to be there. Going home now, it's completely different. You know, it's just I I feel, you know, I've got a right to be where I am today. You know, I'm. I deserve the spot I'm standing on. You know, I don't have to apologise to anybody. And it's amazing that I, when I go home, I, I, I find now that my brothers and sisters they actually come to me, with their problems and, and for help and advice. And that's an amazing thing, absolutely amazing. My sister astounded me last year when um, I always thought that she didn't like me, you uh, know, she favoured my other brothers better than me, and so on. Because this is the way I always felt about everybody. And um, we were sitting there, and was, and she she produced some letters that I had written to her after my parents had died, you know, where I had thanked her on behalf of the family for all the work she had done on our behalf. And she said, I've, I've got five brothers and three sisters. Of all of them, I was the only one that thanked her for what she had done. You know, and she held me in quite high esteem because of this. I never knew these things. So I think by me being in the fellowship, by trying to, to work the program, by doing the, the steps, and especially, you know, the, 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 the ninth step on a daily basis, that, that um, you know, I've built myself up that uh, by making amends to them, you know, I'm not the person that I thought I was. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just quite amazing. I, I, you know, I love, I love not drinking today. I, um, I love my life. And I, I totally owe it to Alcoholics Anonymous and um, to my higher power. I try to work the program as best I can. Getting involved in service for me was, was the best thing ever it was uh, what lifted me out of myself you know i was told if you give a tablespoon you might get back a cupful and that's what i found and so it's been so if anybody has any problems with the steps i you know i say I, I do think it's so much better today than when i came in because there is that emphasis on the steps we i i think if i were to do the steps as it is suggested by a lot of the the um, steps meeting. Say I'd be terrified. I think I got away nice and lightly, but I, I think I did bane, uh, gain and uh, benefit totally from it all. So you know, I thank you all for being here. I thank you for, um, yeah, thank you all for being part of my life and for helping me have another day of sobriety. Thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.